All right. Thanks again for listening this week. Uh, we are joined by Delano head coach, Terry Techum. Coach, thanks for joining. Hey, Brett, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, how we get started, I know you mentioned you've listened to a handful of these, you know, coaching Wikipedia page. So obviously you're at Delano now. You've had success with your state championship here a couple of years ago. Uh, but let's talk about, you know, where you're from, where you played and your coaching career that uh, led you uh, to the Tigers. Yeah. Um, first, I just want to say thank you for doing this. I've listened, like I said, I've listened to numerous of them. You've had some unbelievable coaches out there with some very good ideas and, you know, guys that really work hard just to make uh, basketball better in Minnesota. Um, but for me, I grew up in Shakopee. Um, probably the passion for coaching started uh, with my parents. Um, I remember Shakopee way back in the day was only a, a town similar to Del Delano, five or 6,000. And there was no, I remember getting involved in youth basketball. Um, my dad had heard about these tournaments and stuff that traveling go on. And we went to one, he found a guy, and that's how, he basically started the Shockby Basketball Association. And my parents ran the Shockby Basketball Association for probably 40 years. Um, once I left Shockby and was out of playing, they still ran it. Um, but I think that was where I'm, because he started with, we were going to a tournaments and he'd pay for everything out of his own pocket. And hopefully, hopefully he got reimbursed. You know, he'd, he'd tell all the families to kick in 10 bucks. And most of them did, but you always probably had one or two that, you know, maybe forgot or for whatever reason didn't. But, uh, I mean, he, they took the Shockby basketball program from no traveling team. By the time they were done, they were having three, four, five uh, traveling teams per grade. Um, so that's kind of where my basketball kind of started. Um, like I said, I played at Shockby. I went to St. Olaf. I uh, played basketball my freshman year, kind of hurt my knee that summer. Again, not sure I was good enough to really play that much in college anyway, so I didn't do any basketball my sophomore year, but my junior year of college, all of a sudden the 10th grade position opened up in Shakopee, which was about a 45-minute drive from Northfield. So my coaching career started when I was a junior, uh, junior in college coaching 10th grade basketball at Shakopee. Um, I was lucky enough uh, for five years to work with my high school coach, who was Coach John Anderson, um, who was a great guy, still still comes out and watches uh, Delano play once or twice a year, very supportive. Um, and then once he retired, um, I was fortunate enough to work with Coach Kuyath, who anybody who follows Minnesota basketball is aware of. He's had a phenomenal career, um, not only – when he took over, he was actually my high school baseball coach and my 10th grade basketball coach when I played. But I was lucky enough to work with him for uh, 12 years. Um, one thing I learned from here, he was very good about delegating to his assistants. I think my last seven years with him, we basically did the offense and defensive thing. He let me be totally in charge of the defense and, you know, really never second guessed anything. Just, just like an assistant, he'd make some suggestions. And if if you agreed, if you wanted to do them, great. If not, he did not say you had to do it. So he gave me tons of responsibility. Um, and in those last seven years of working with him, we went to the state tournament six times. And my last year at Shockley, we actually won a, a class 3A state tournament. In a year, we went 31 and 1. Um, so after that, you know, Coach Kuyath is a diehard. Um, my, obviously, my dream would have been to, since growing up in Shockby, I'd have loved to have been the head basketball coach at Shockby at some time, but Coach Kuyath loves his basketball. You knew he was going to keep going. Um, so I decided I want to kind of venture out on my own, see if 
see if, you know, I could do what had what it takes to be a head basketball coach. So um, we moved to Malacca. I was a head coach at Malacca for two years. Um, we liked my family. We liked the small town, but it was a little farther away from the cities than we would have probably liked as a family. Uh, so my wife got a job in Delano. I actually teach in Orono, even though I coach at, coach at Delano. So I got a teaching job um, in uh, uh, Orono. Um, and we kind of put basketball on the back burner for a year. So I actually just coached like junior high basketball in Orono for a year. Uh, then Coach Longstreet was the head coach at Delano. I helped him for a year. And Coach Longstreet loves coaching basketball, but some of the administrative stuff that kind of goes along with being a head coach was not his favorite thing. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to resign, and hopefully you can get the position, and I'll be your assistant. So that worked out. And then I've been the head coach at Delano for, uh, for the last uh, 11 years. And, you know, really enjoy it. It's been the been a great experience so far so that's kind of my how i got to where i am today i mean that's crazy starting at driving at college 45 minutes commute from northfield just just to coach and then 17 years as an assistant that's uh that's a lot that's a lot of work and uh when you took over malacca and this is maybe for a target audience of like five people here so you had my uh, assistant coach dylan nauman was one of your players uh, yep. so i just need like a one minute summary about how awful it was coaching dylan as a high school player <laughs> it wasn't awful. awful. Um, Dylan had a, Dylan was one of the hardest working players I ever coached. Um, I don't think he would be offended, but he was probably limited with his offensive skills, <laughs> but he made up, made up for it with his smarts and uh, how hard he worked to get the best of his ability. So you and mentioned I've, that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And it, and it's been a thrill just to watch him, you know, get back into coaching, working with you and, you know, I just know how hard he works at it and how much he's grown as a coach. Yeah, we pretty much have that same sort of model. He runs our defense, and I let him do whatever he wants to do. And I can, I'll give some advice, but a defense is all his, and I take the offensive side of it. Now, and you I, mentioned – I can, I can see ahead, why he's on the defensive side. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've watched him teach shooting drills. I, I can see why he probably was a sub-five points per game guy for you at Malacca. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you mentioned that, you know, you were an assistant coach for 17 years. I know you have Coach Longstreet has coached with you uh, since you've been the head coach at Delano. And so what are some ways there, what's things that you learned at Shakopee that you have now, you know, asked of your assistants and how you empower them to, you know, take ownership of, of your, your current program? Probably the biggest thing I learned from Coach Kuyal is to give kids the opportunity to play. Um, when I was at Shakopee in the summer, we would play, you know, we would probably play 70 to 75 games in the same when we played every team camp, every, and the school was big enough that even if you didn't have all your best guys, you could, you could still have a pretty competitive team to go there. But he just was always big on let's get our guys playing. You know, this was kind of back before AAU. It was there, but wasn't as big as it is, is today. Um, the other thing obviously is to give your assistance, you know, responsibilities and that to be I'll be honest that was tough when I first took over and was a head coach you know you you wanted to be in charge of almost every little facet of it um, so I've gradually kind of given my assistants more room and actually last year uh, Jason Monkey is also one of our assistants we were lucky enough to be able to have uh, two varsity assistants so we and both Jason and Jamie have been head coaches Jason Monkey was a head coach at uh, Sox Center um, probably 10 to 15 years ago. Um, so we broke practice up 
um, where we rotated who was in charge. Everybody took a day. So Coach Monkey would be in charge for a day. Coach Longstreet would be in charge for a day. And, and then I would be in charge for a day. And I think that really worked to keep things fresh. You know, everybody, sometimes you get stuck in your certain drills that you like where each coach kind of had their day. They were here, have, a, have a different voice. And, you know, it was less stressful probably as a coach just to be able to step back and go, I'm, I'm looking this as more as an assistant coach rather than having to run everything. I really like that. That's definitely something that uh, I want to try to win. So I, I really like, cause you, you make a good point that, you know, as coaches, we all, you guys probably have similar drills that you all want to run, but you all probably have drills that you like more than the other ones. So I think that gets that and kids can probably feel that, you know, fresh voice and ch change of pace, but also getting cycling through, you know, different drills. Cause I, I know I get into a habit of kind of doing the same drills, maybe on every Monday or whatever the case may be. So I really like that. Uh, I really like that idea. How, how did you feel like the kids took that? Oh, I, th I, I thought they loved it, you know, because everybody, you know, had their different thing that they like to emphasize. So it was good for those kids to see those and do dr drills a little differently. You know, um, once we got into season, usually I would take, uh, you know, if we were playing games on Tuesday, Friday, I would do Monday, Thursday. So we had a little more game prep in there. Um, Coach Longstreet would usually do Wednesday and then, and then we do practice Saturday where Coach Monkey would kind of be in charge of our, of our Saturday plan. I really like that. Uh, another thing that you have, you know, we play each other every year. Our youth teams probably run into each other probably two to four times a year playing in similar tournaments uh, on the Northern side of the Metro here. Uh, your youth program is a well-oiled machine. You guys are crisp at all levels. You're running the same stuff that you guys run at the varsity level. So what are some ways that now you've done it for 11 years, so I'm sure it's probably running itself a little bit, but how did you um, get your influence on the youth program? And then what is your involvement like today? Yeah, when I first started, I mean, I was very, we, they, Delano had some things in place, but again, just wanted to get kids more opportunities to play basketball. So when I started, I was doing the first and second grade program. We run ours in the fall. So for two nights a week, you're up there doing a running your third and fourth grade program, which started as kind of an in-house program before moving to, uh, you know, our fourth graders do some traveling now. Um, so you would, you know, trying to be involved, we were lucky that we had a lot of good people. You know, a lot of our assistant coaches have kids that are young, so they were involved coaching on top of coaching our high school. Um, we, were, we have a Schultz family that's in town that's phenomenal with youth basketball, that they do a lot of organizing things. Um, but again, just trying to get those numbers up where kids are playing, having fun, always trying to make sure, you know, we're having fun. You know, kids like to play games. You know, it's, it's not, you know, we want to use skill work and have them develop skills, but we want to play enough games where the kids are having fun and putting them in positions where they can be successful. Um, and I usually do not tell our youth coaches what they have to run. A lot of them have chosen to run stuff that we run at the varsity. I mean, I always tell them, you know, who knows what we're going to run when they're in high school. We could change, but if you find something that we do that fits your talent level and you think this is something they're going to do as they go older, feel free. But, you know, when in their youth, if they want to try a different offense or try something different, you know, and again, we stress most part of your practice at the youth level is just working on skill stuff. But I think to go back to your original question, just being involved, letting the kids know, that, know who you are, and then finding quality people that you trust to run the program, which I was lucky enough to be able to do. 
another thing that I've always been really impressed with and try to take notes from, or uh, whenever we've had our conversations, if it's at breakdown tournaments or at fall leagues, or, you know, the few minutes we talk before when we play is uh, your off season program with your guys. Uh, talk about some of the, the uh, things that you guys do in your off season program, some of the drills that you take your guys through and what you're on a normal year, obviously uh, the pandemic has made things a little bit goofy, this <laughs> a little bit goofy saying it lightly uh, this off season, but in a normal, in a normal situation, what does your off season programming look like for your high school age kids? Yeah, we come in probably like most teams two to three times a week and we are lucky enough, you know, uh, we have a big activity center so we usually have like four courts. Um, we also are lucky enough between the boys and girls program in Delano, we each have two shooting machines. So we do share those. So sometimes we have access to four shooting machines. Um, so in our, in our uh, and we probably have, so our kids will come in, you know, a varsity type group and then a JV 10th grade type group uh, for an hour and a half. Um, we kind of split that up. We try to make it so it doesn't seem like regular season practice you know so it's a little different you know so they don't think they're back in in season doing stuff so we will go 45 minutes of skill work each coach will have a station you know a shooting a ball handling uh, some type of offensive move whether it's a post move or you know trying to work on some different move that they can beat somebody off the dribble with so we each kind of each take our station for uh 15 minutes so that's 45 minutes um, then we usually do some type of team thing for 15 to 20 minutes, um, whether it's defense, you know, I, I found the summer is a great time to try. If you want to try a different offense, it's a great time to try it where you can play 15, 20 games with it and go, oh, that was great. We should do that. Or go, well, that was a waste of time. I thought it was a good idea. And it really wasn't. At least I didn't waste five games during the season doing that. Um, and then, then we kind of, we scrimmage for about 20 or 25 minutes. And again, just trying different things. If we have a young player that we think we can use next year, gives them an opportunity where we mix and match teams. And, you know, it's very competitive where kids can show what they can do and if they can play at a higher level. So who runs the drill that makes you have six, six, six kids uh, from one year to the next? <laughs> How does that, who runs that one? Well, it's definitely not me. It must be the other two assistants <laughs> that are both six five and six six. That was uh, that, yeah. You guys defensively were as good of a team. You know, I'm not haven't been doing this for a lifetime, but I've you know seven years as a head coach. I was by far the hardest, and we were good. I mean, we won 25 games, won our section. We couldn't. We were just praying to get the ball in the hoop. There's no way we were going to be able to score versus you guys. Your length and size was unreal. So if you want to share, or maybe you just want to keep that secret how you get all those six six kids or what's in the water in Delano. Um, and that'd be appreciated if you're willing to, willing to share that. Um, just to finish up on the summer thing. Um, so then, then we try and play a lot of, we'll play a lot of breakdown events in the summer. Um, when I first started, we tried to do some team camps and stuff, but in Delano, most of our guys are still three sport athletes, you know, so for get, get kids to commit to a whole weekend for a team camp was very difficult. So we gradually found the way, you know, over the course of time, found some different things that work and breakdown tournaments. We'll play nine or 10 of those breakdown tournaments as long as we can have about eight guys that will commit to it. And that's kind of how we go about playing there. Um, Cause, and we do get pretty good commitment. Like I said, we probably only get one or two kids a grade that are playing a lot of AAU basketball. Um, so this gives those kids that are still three sport athletes, a lot of basketball um, to be able to play in the summer. Uh, to go with your second question there with all the six, six guys. Uh, yeah, that, I, you know, I've been doing this for 
31 years now, I've never had a team like that where they're all 6'6". They're all very athletic. Um, defensively, I, I, you're right, Brett. It made things a lot easier this year when on defense you go, well, whatever action they run, we can just switch because you're all pretty good athletes and you can guard things. It made going over scouting reports a lot easier because it wasn't, well, how are we going to defend this screen? Well, just switch it. You know, so having, having size in basketball does make a difference. When And then, then again, especially they were all very good athletes. It wasn't like one was a big guy that had to stay on the block or, you know, was mm-hmm. a little slow-footed. Because um, prob- uh, three of them will play college basketball. One's going to run cross-country track in college, and one will play football and baseball in college. So they were all very good athletes. You know, uh, we talked about uh, my assistant coach, Naman, who uh, you, you coached in high school. He was at uh, the hospital just down the street when you guys played in Princeton. He had just had his, uh, his first child uh, the day before, so he was still in the hospital, wasn't able to make the game, but he was watching the live stream uh, on his phone, and I had about five texts from him at the end of the game, like about things that we're doing on offense. Like, we, had, we couldn't do anything. Like, I don't, it might have looked different on YouTube, but I was like, man, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't get anything going, and you guys were a really, really good defensive team, and uh, yeah, like when you hit, you just had the the prototypical switch five team with everyone I think being over six four and everyone was long and athletic and it was uh, you know, taking a step back. It was a really fun team to to watch, even though we struggled really 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 hard to to score against you guys. Yeah, we were probably lucky enough to play you early in the year. You know, you were placing pretty much your whole uh, team from the year before that made a great run in the state tournament. So um, yeah, it would have been nice if we could have got a chance to play again in the state tournament, but obviously there were more important things to deal with at that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. But you know, maybe down the road, we'll see each other again in March. Obviously we'll keep, we'll keep playing our December games, but uh, you got a n- nice little transition there. Um, talk about, like, I know you get out and scout a lot. Um, I think a lot of coaches still, you know, with the way technology is a lot of coaches are relying on film exchange. I know our league has conference film exchange. So we see all of our conference games, which makes scouting a lot easier. But I know you're one who still likes to get out on the road. So what do you look for when you're scouting a team? Uh, and then what are some things that you put into your scouting reports? Yeah, I, I still, yeah, probably being old, I still like to see teams live. Um, I have gotten better of what, being okay with watching a little more film rather than taking an hour and a half, two hour drive sometimes. But uh, for us, the biggest thing is matchups of who's going to guard who. Now, obviously this last year when we could switch some things was a little different, but, you know, matchups by – and looking at not just, okay, he's your point guard, so our point guard's going to guard that guy. Trying to find out what's going to be, you know, I, ideally we want to put our best defender on the other team's best offensive player and, and go from there. Um, other big things in scouting is trying to take away teams' go-to plays like most coaches. You know, I've, most teams probably have some sets where they're going to get anywhere from six to ten points off in a game figure if we can take those away and make them have to try and do something else to score. Those are big things. Um, and there's that fine line of how much we give players. Um, you know, I don't want them thinking too much out there, but I do want them to know what the other team's going to run. Um, and it's always, it's always tough scouting. I've done this long enough where sometimes you'll go and go, wow, that kid can't shoot. He was over five. And then he comes out and makes three or four of the next <laughs> game. So part of our scouting is kind of more looking at, did the kid take five? I mean, if a kid takes five or six threes in a game, he probably can make them. Otherwise, the coach is not going to be letting him shoot that many shots. So, um, I, matchups are a big thing from an offensive 
side would probably be how do they defend certain actions? You know, do they hedge, hedge a ball screen? Do they switch a ball screen? And then can we add a little wrinkle to something that we already run to take advantage of that? You know, I don't, I mean, we're not going to put in all kinds of new stuff. Um, but if we can just say, all right, here's our normal set that we kind of run. Can we change one thing because they hedge the ball screen or trap the ball screen or, you know, they defend a cross screen like this that we could try and take advantage of. That's good stuff. Uh, I'll make sure that when you try to scout us early that I completely do different, different things than we do. So you don't have your, your, your adjustments ready to go and not run any plays, but you know how we don't, we don't run any plays anyway. We yep. just kind of roll the ball and say, hopefully we score 85 points. So um, you're pretty good at making adjustments. I know we've been able to coach, I think against you the last five or six years. Um, so do you, you know, in that scouting report, do you have your pre-planned adjustments you might go to in a second half? Or is that kind of something that as a staff you're talking about throughout the game? Yeah, I think it's stuff that you're talking about throughout the game. Um, as I've gotten older, I've learned not to be as stubborn. You know, I think when I was younger, I was like, if I had a plan in my head that I thought was right for that, I might be a little slower to change than I should be. Where now I'm like, hey, I thought this was going to work and it doesn't work. That's not the right matchup or that's not the right, you know, thing for us to run that um, we're willing to change. Like in, in the section final game this year, we got off to a poor start. We were, we were down probably 19 to seven early in the game. And uh, we kind of changed a little bit what we were trying to do on offense and changed one or two matchups that kind of helped us um, get going in the beginning of that basketball game. So offensively, uh, you, you, you've kind of adjusted throughout, you know, the, the six years or so that we've been playing, you, know, you, you kind of run on that ball screen continuity. Then when you had uh, Calvin, you run more of the spread ball screen type stuff. And you also have your, um, you know, your bread and butter with your five out. You know, we, we, whenever we, before we play you guys, Dylan pulls out the old Malacca play paper copy playbook he has. Uh, I think some of the calls are still the same. So we try to use that. It doesn't do crap for us, but we, we at least think it makes us feel a little bit more prepared. So talk about your offense philosophy and then just your willingness, like you mentioned, coaching for 31 years. I think that's really impressive that you're willing to switch things up from year to year basis and you're flexible with that. So talk about what goes into that decision-making process uh, when you're changing up your offenses from one year to the next. I think you're trying to figure out your play to your player's strength. Um, and I, like I said before, I think the summer is a huge time to try some things, you know, where you got a bunch of games and you can try different things and see how they go. Um, ideally, we just like to run motion. When I first got there, we ran motion. Um, when I first went to Malacca, you know, we tried to run motion, which was good, but it was also a struggle. We, you know, the kids hadn't played a lot of basketball, you know, so you're going, well, we don't beat somebody off the dribble or we're not the best shooter. So we had to run some more set plays just to try and get our better players some shots. Um, so we've incorporated some of that, but you're right. We went at Delano. I started with, uh, uh, started with motion. Then we had some good guards where we did the Euro kind of ball screen stuff. And that was very effective for a few years. And then, um, you know, coaching Calvin, probably one of the biggest things I learned coaching him is definitely do not overcoach. Just let him play, let him play. And that's, we went to dribble drive, because um, he kind of decided that ball screen was good for him, but that was bringing more people all in. You know, now you got four people all in a small area. So we, with when his senior year and junior, year, we started running more just dribble drive to let things spread out. And you know, as much as he scored, he was still averaging nine or ten assists, where he'd find people and get people open shots. Um, and then this last year, even being six six, 
we even threw in that we'd run some swing stuff once in a while, just trying to get everybody, if we thought we had a mismatch, being able to get them into, into a post. But uh, like I said, really trying to evaluate what our talent is and what's, what's going to, you know, what's going to put them in the best spots to be successful. I want to build off of that state championship team here uh, for a second. So obviously you had Calvin, a uh, division one basketball player who had the ball in his hands a ton, but you also had Trey Longstreet, who's now going to be a senior who, right. Correct. He's going to be a senior. Yeah. Um, and who was obviously uh, is a scholarship level player. So how did you kind of balance that off where you want to obviously have the ball in Kelvin's hand, but you also wanted Trey to develop and grow as a basketball player who obviously this past year as a, a junior was your primary point guard. Uh, and ball handler. And so how would, what was, talk about that balancing act and how, when you have a really talented senior, but also really talented underclassmen, how you can still develop that underclassmen while playing to that senior strength. I think probably the best thing about that team is they were all hard workers. Calvin was one of the hardest workers in practice every single day. You know, he could play 36 minutes the whole game on a Thursday and Friday, he's in there working his butt off. Um, and then, Everybody else on that team, Keegan O'Neill, Trey Longstreet, Derek Teckham, they were all, they didn't care. They didn't, what, it never bothered them if Calvin took 25 shots and they only got five shots. Whatever it took to win, they knew that maybe the next night they were going to be the one that got more shots from that. So I think, I think that was a big thing. And most of those guys were very smart basketball-wise that it did not uh, bother them if they thought that was happening. And then Calvin was hurt you know, I missed five or six games where those guys were very confident in their abilities and we were very competitive. That year we played a lot of 4A schools and we were very competitive against some very good 4A teams. Um, and to think of a specific game, we played at Prior and I think this really helped us that year. We played at Prior Lake um, and Calvin got hurt right before halftime. And I think we were down six or eight at halftime. And Without him in the second half, um, we lost on a shot at the buzzer. And I think from then on, those other guys knew. And they were all confident before that, but I think that just took it to another level to know what their confidence level was. And they were ready for whatever night they needed to be, you know, kind of a, another, the secondary score or whatever it worked. So you mentioned uh, Derek Teckham, obviously your son who played on your state championship team. So just talk about what that was like. Obviously winning the state championship is great. You did it as an assistant at Chocopee, but also as a head coach, I'm sure was an amazing thrill. But talk about just being able to share that experience with your son. Yeah, it's uh, – I would say I wish every coach could experience that. You know, if you could do it with your son, great. But uh, the whole experience, anybody who's ever been involved in athletics uh, – you know, when we run the, won the state tournament, we came back pretty much right after the game. And a fire truck picked us up in Maple Grove, gave the kids a fire truck uh, escort 15, 20 minutes into town. They went into the gym and it was packed for a welcome home. That I think anybody who's ever been involved in sports, I, I wish everybody could experience that. Um, and then to do it with my own son was unbelievable and like I said the relationship uh, my dad has with basketball he was kind of our he does a book for us so he was right there behind the bench um, you know and you think back to being an old guy the many years of going to state tournaments just watching with my dad and then to be able to have that uh, thrill of experiencing that was unbelievable yeah it was uh it was fun to watch a team that you know 
isn't the usual, um, you know, private or public schools that make it year in and year out. It was just really cool for, I think the basketball community really got behind you guys. And, uh, everyone knows you pretty well, sees your face a lot throughout the summer. As you mentioned, you're at, uh, pretty much if there's a breakdown tournament, Delano is going to be there. So I think it was, uh, a really, really a well-supported group as well outside of Delano, just the people wanted you guys to be successful and um, think highly of you as a coach in your program. So it was really – I know we were all rooting for you here, um, as that was really cool to see. Uh, I want to go back to uh, your uh, team from this past year now for a second. This one's coming from Twitter, and this is a great uh, – and I know you've, you've done this before with teams, and this is a, this is a great question is you, know, you only played five or six guys at times this past year. You did that, I guess, as well with your state championship team. I think you played one kid, um, you know, I think four minutes, and then you played the rest of the guys the entire game in, this, in your state tournament run. So how do you um, – for, first part of this, and then I'll do the second part after you answer. How do you prepare them uh, for, for the conditioning that that's going to that that's gonna take when you have you – know, obviously most coaches have a guy or two that might play the entire game, but having a whole lineup that's going to play almost 36 minutes, how do you prepare them and practice for that? Um, so one thing <laughs> – we do, we do practice in the morning. Um, so some advantages of that are, so we, if you know Delano's facility, we have a big activity center with six courts in it. Um, so with that said, nobody ever sits out. So like if we do three on two, two on one, we'll only have eight guys at a basket doing that. So they're never standing in line. Um, they're never sitting out. You know, if it's shooting drills, it's never more than two at a basket. You know, if it, any type of, like you can do one-on-one -on -one different things and you got seven, eight baskets. So there's no, I do this drill and I get to go stand in line. You know, you do shell drill. You got eight guys going. There's no sitting out. You got eight guys at a different basket with an assistant coach. So I think that's a big thing to it. Um, and then our day after, you know, we try to not overwhelm them in practice. Once we start going, you know, I've heard a couple guys on here talk about how they shorten practices. Like our Wednesday practice is probably a half hour of if those years we were only playing five or six guys, our Wednesday practice is probably 30 to 40 minutes of skill work, maybe just walking through something we want to see on a, that they were going to see on a Friday and then lifting weights. So those kids are in and out within it, within an hour. Um, so we try to keep them fresh that way. And, you know, maybe I'm getting all I feel they're 17, 18 year old kids. They, they should be able to run all day. Um, and sure. that, that, they kind of know that. So it, it, it's, it's worked. One thing with it is um, our kids uh, play very confidently. You know, when you're only playing five or six guys, they're not looking over their shoulder. You know, there's good and bad with this, obviously, but they're not looking over their shoulder. Like if they make a mistake and, you know, probably our number five starter this year, wasn't that confident to start the year but by the end of the year he's looking to score doing a lot of things that I probably didn't picture him doing to start the year and then second part of that how do you communicate that with your other guys I know you have multiple you know teams at each youth level and you always have a, a 9a 9b b squad jv varsity so how do you get buy-in from those guys who you know are going to go through the grind of practice every day but they're not really going to see the court yep I would say one thing a couple things there one thing is practicing in the before school. Um, kids are not going to come out for basketball unless they're really committed when you got to get up at five o'clock in the morning um, to do that. Um, the other thing, we have very clear communication. Before the start of the season, we sit down and we have a player-parent conference with me 
um, where I tell them where I see them, what I see their role is going to be. Um, and also like this year, I know people, if you just come to the varsity game and say, well, we only played five or six guys, but everybody on that bench got a lot of playing time in the course of that night. You know, we, we only dressed 15 this year. So there was, you know, eight or nine guys got a ton of playing time um, in the JV game. Um, we usually tell our seniors, you're, we don't play seniors on JV, but if we have smaller numbers and they're great kids, we'll say, all right, well, let's find you some playing time because you're working so hard at practice where we might have them play every other game, you know, on a JV team. So then they're only, there's only eight guys or nine guys on that and they're all getting a lot of playing time. Um, you know, we do have the typical slogan, the we over me, and we do talk about how important everybody is on the team, whether it's being a practice player, doing scout team. And the years we've been really good, um, we've had guys really buy into what their role is. Our state championship year, you know, our, our scout team was unbelievable. They would come in every day excited to learn what, what uh, the other team was going to do. And we told them, you're a huge component to our success. Yep. You know, people outside of our, our team might not say, well, you don't get in. You don't get in. No, we explain how, how you contribute and how you make our team successful, um, even if you don't maybe get playing time in the varsity game. You cut? No, we do not have a cut policy. And then I want to talk hear more about that, uh, you know, player and parent conference. So you, do you meet with every 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grader, every returning 10th through 12th grader? And then how long does that conference usually last? Um, so it's, we just meet with our varsity guys. Um, okay. Our 10th grade coach will have some kind of individual talks without the, without the parent there a couple days into practice. Okay. Um, but I tell them, I tell the parents, this is not really a conversation. It's not like a back and forth. I, you know, they always say, I wonder what the coach is thinking. So I tell them, here's what I'm thinking. And I tell them, here's where, if we were playing a game tomorrow, here's probably what would happen. Now we practice. So there's a reason you have practices and things could change. But if we were playing a game tomorrow, you know, your son would be a starter or your son's, you know, probably going to play JV and sit on the varsity bench or your son might be getting five or 10 minutes at this point right now. And, and they're, and they're not easy conversations all the time, you know, but I'm just telling you here, if you want to know what the coach is thinking, here's what I'm thinking. And we do also, in the last four or five years, we've added the athletic director. We'll sit in on those meetings. So everybody's on the same page. Um, I added the parents seven, eight years ago, because like all coaches, you meet with your players. But sometimes what I told the player was maybe not what the player told the parent happened in the meeting. So I just wanted to make sure everybody's on the same page. Everybody's clear about where we're at to start the season. And then we move from there. Because you know, and I, I want to tell kids that you can have a huge impact on our team, even if you are maybe not getting in the games, but you have to buy into that. You know, it sounds good in November to say, yeah, I can do that. But end of January, when we're practicing before school, are you still going to be wanting to get up and contribute to the team in that positive manner of being a role player or a bench guy and not maybe getting in the varsity game? And, you know, we've been lucky the last, you know, basically ever since I've been telling all that we have a lot of guys that buy into those roles. Do you feel that um, 
the parents generally leave that meeting positive, even if it's like, Hey, your kid's not going to play. Or do you think that it sometimes leads to more animosity or lead, creates animosity? I, th- I think it's positive because they, they want to know where their kid's at, you know, and they can have their mindset of, of where things are going to be at. Um, the other thing, like I said, when we split up practice too, I spend a lot of time with those JV guys. Like if we're doing some scout team stuff, I'll, I'll have our other assistants work with our varsity players and do the drills. And I'll be the one to show this is really important. That's why I'm over here working with you guys. If this is how we can help make our team successful. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I talked about this with Andre uh, Phillips over who's in your neck of the woods over there at Mount West Tonka. And, uh, you know, he talked about that as well. Just it's, it's so many pe- coaches want to like, you know, stiff arm or keep parents, you know, close, but also don't want to have those tough conversations. And I think that it was definitely, I'm sure it's a time commitment, but I'm, I'm guessing that the payoff is, is completely worth it because even if, if a parent is pissed, you know, they're not going to be, you know, it's, it's the, it's the fear of the unknown. You know, we try to talk about that in our program. Um, I forget where coach Nauman got that from. I want to JP Nierbin or whatever. Uh, one of those guys who are um, those culture building type guys, the fear of the unknown. I think when you take that unknown out, at least the kid can attack 6am practice. Like, all right, well, here's where I'm at. Like I, I I'm accepting it and they, and they can make the most out of it. Yeah. And I would say, um, you know, it, the, just to go back to even give you more insight on, so we have those meetings at the end of our parent meeting and I tell them it's just going to be a two to three minute meeting at the most. Some are just a minute, you know, like, Hey, I'm Trey Longstreet. You're going to be a starter. You're going to have a big role on this team. You know, it lasts 30 seconds. Um, some, you know, at the most are just two or three quick little things of where I feel they're at. Full disclosure. This, I just want to make sure cause this is, this is really good stuff. And I hope coaches are writing this down because we hear so much about X's and O's type stuff and there's so much stuff out there, but this is the stuff that I feel like, uh, I I've gotten the most from in doing this podcast is this sort of like culture and program type stuff. And this is something that, you know, I haven't really talked with, with any of the other coaches. And so is this pre tryouts or pre first week of practice, or is this like after you've maybe had a weekend, a scrimmage or something? So this is a week before the season starts you week know, before we, the season. So right now we don't have tryouts. We usually have our parent meeting the Sunday before the season starts. So it's, it's seven days for that kid to decide, yes, I, I'm happy with what coach said and I want to be a part of the team or that gives them a week to say, you know, this isn't really for me. It's basketball. You know, you know, all coaches know basketball is such a long season. You're giving up Thanksgiving, Christmas. And for Delano the last two years, it's been, we've practiced over spring break. You know, I mean, you're making a huge commitment to be a part of a team and, you know, I, I don't, I want everybody to be on the same page where everybody's thinking, you know, I don't want in January to go, this isn't what coach said was going to happen, you know, or, or you get the kid's mindset. I know coach said I was going to be just playing JV, but I'm going to prove him wrong, you know, which is great. Last question here. Then I'll let you go on as we're recording this here on a kind of cold little Saturday morning. Uh, and maybe you, you might have an afternoon tea time here. Uh, last question, like I said, then we'll get on you through your weekend uh, and on with, uh, on with your father's day here coming up on Sunday. Uh, talk about what your practices look like. Um, you know, you mentioned that they go at 6 a.m. I love that. Um, I think you get really, really, I think kids are more focused, even if they're a little tired at 6 a.m. than if they are, you know, when they've had maybe the new girl looked at them a certain way in the hallway and they have their AP class or this class and they have this homework and they have this and maybe they had lunch at 1130. And um, so talk about what your practices look like and then the effectiveness of going at 6 a.m. Yeah. Um, well, keep in mind, we actually start at like 5 45 
Oh. <laughs> but we would be a 6 a.m. team, except I have to drive to Orno, which is a 10 or 15. So any times I give you here, we'd back those all up 15 minutes if I taught, taught in the same thing. The other thing with, with morning practice, sometimes seems stuff, but once we start playing games, we have morning practices Mondays and Thursdays. You know, you're playing a game Tuesday, Friday. We don't make them practice before school Wednesday. You know, and uh, Saturday morning practices are not not at 6 a.m. They're probably more in the 9 or 10 o'clock range. Um, so probably like all coaches, here's kind of how our practice is set up. Like I told you before, we're lucky enough to have four shooting machines between the boys and girls program. Um, and probably like most coaches, when kids come in to start practice, it's just a lot of standing around, taking bad shots, you know, waiting for practice to start. So we at five, so 525 to 540 is not mandatory, but we tell them that's probably where you're going to get your shots in. At 525 to 540, you know, we put two or three guys on the machine and they, they're getting shots up. Work. Um, we might have another group that's just kind of all pre-practice stuff where we might have another hoop where you take your post guys and you want to work on some individual things. But they probably, in that 15 minutes, each kid's probably getting, um, you know, 100 to 150 shots up um, be before practice even starts. And, you know, even though it's not mandatory, I think the kids kind of all realize that that is an important part of practice. So they, uh, the most... I would say we get a high percentage of kids that are there to start. Um, and then, you know, our regular practice, you know, you got probably got a little two to three to five minute warm up drill. Like I said before, we can do things a little quicker just having so much space and we're lucky enough to have three coaches so that if you're doing any drill, there's never really any lines, um, which again helps in conditioning. And then we probably have 10 to 15 minutes of just skill work, um, 10 to 15 minutes of probably some defensive work, uh, you know, and we don't need to get into too much X and O's. I've listened to you, some of your other guys talk X and O's. They know a lot more about the X and O stuff than I do. You know, your shell drill, just how you're going to guard stuff. Um, and then we maybe spend five minutes dummying some stuff, if that. Um, but when we go, I like to do basically everything full court. You know, we don't do – we do really nothing that's just a half court thing. Um, and one of the best drills, you know, I know you kind of always have some favorite drills. One of mine is just to get a lot of guys involved. Um, we'll go, let's say we're working on our man offense. So we'll go five on five, but we'll put five guys on the wall or, you know, a step or two off the baseline. Um, so let's say orange and black. Let's say orange is our starters. You got the black on defense and then the black team on the wall. And let's say we'll run our offense score. Well, that group that's out, as soon as the ball goes through the net or hits the ground or their team gets a rebound, boom, they're going down the other end. And now they're playing. So now we're working on transition defense, working on, you know, be, maybe we say, you're going to run this set, see how they defend that set. And then rebound, then we'll take the ball and fast break. That other group that was, that other black group that was out, they'll get on the wall ready to go. So I think that helps in our conditioning that they're just going up and down, you know, and you go a couple trips and then maybe you stop and point out a couple things. Um, the other thing is like, we'll do like, we'll do no out of bounds on a rebound. You know, they're all going to hustle after a rebound. Then they're just going right back down the court. So it's not like a dead ball type type period. I like that. Um, 
Coach, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, you're going to, you're, you're pretty humble. I know in our emails, you said that, you know, I must be down to the average coaches now. Uh, I think that's the furthest, furthest thing from the truth and having you on, uh, you know, been a part of two state championships, a lot of section championships, you know, someone that we've really, you know, okay, this is what Delano's doing. This is what we have to do. If that's at like the youth level, that's what the summer program, you know, we try to make it to, I think we're signed up for six breakdowns here. Um, hopefully, you know, with the news yesterday, hopefully being able to get in the gym and play in those tournaments here come uh, middle, late July and August. Uh, but just from like a, a game philosophy and watching you guys play and watching how you guys interact with your kids, definitely a team that, you know, we've really more than anyone probably emulated our stuff after. And so uh, you can, you can be, uh, say you're not good X's and O's. You can say, you know, now I'm on to the average coach, but I think you're you know one of the best in the state. And so I really appreciate you coming on Terry. Uh, it means a lot. And I know I have a, a page full of notes here that I've written down. Well, thanks for having me, Brett. I appreciate you doing this. Um, like I said, I've learned a lot from all those other coaches that you've listened to, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you here in a few weeks, hopefully at some breakdown events. Sounds good. See you, Terry. All right. Bye.